You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Some people might have seen that I, a few days ago, asked for questions for an X-Men Q&A episode, and I was getting ready to record it, and I figured I might as well go live, because I did, I did it everywhere except for Instagram. So I'm just going to do it. So I might kind of be ignoring you guys over here, but figure, you know, got to show some love to the Instagram people, you know? Um, but anyway, yeah, so we're going to go. I'm going to start. Most of this from Facebook. Got some Twitter stuff. How am I? I'm pretty good. Uh, I actually have COVID. <laughs> uh, been home all week. Me and my lady got it. A lot of the guys from the band and crew from the God Forbid shows. Turns out our little reunion shows were a super spreader event. <laughs> um, so I hope everyone's doing well. I know a lot of stuff is, is going around right now. Flus. I literally went from having the flu and kind of a cough that wouldn't go away and like felt like I was fighting a cold like all last week and then ended up with this, but it wasn't that bad. I just had a, a bad cough and some sniffles and I just got, I was really tired the last couple of days. But so I, this is my third time having COVID and by far this was like the least terrible, thankfully. So, but it's really rainy in Los Angeles and, um, and yeah, so that kind of sucks, but I got nowhere to go because I'm still positive. So I can't spreading spreading the disease as anthrax would say i will not be doing that so we're going to be doing this q a so if i ignore you guys over here maybe i'll check and if you have some questions later uh but i'm going to be going through these facebook ones first so here we go let's go with the old uh personal facebook let's see what we got here all right all my stuff went away there we go all right so um was there ever any bizarre moments that you encountered while on tour? Uh, Kate Winterlink. Uh, Winterink, I'm sorry. Strange encounter. I mean, bizarre. That's being on tour is bizarre. <laughs> um, it's kind of hard to think of one in particular that's that's more bizarre than others right, right off the top of my head. Um, oh, I mean, this is interesting. I mean, on the tour we did... The winter tour with Papa Roach and Hollywood Dead. There we go. <laughs> we were in Toronto and there was a furry convention at the hotel. And 
you know, and, and, I, and I thought it was amazing. Like I just, the costumes and the fun and the excitement, even though it would take you about 15 minutes to get uh, on the elevator because the, the, it was so packed. But uh, that was pretty crazy. That was on tour. That's something you're probably not going to see unless you're on tour. So I thought that was pretty, pretty amazing. And then I posted some pictures and then, you know, people, there's a lot of anti-furry discrimination. I didn't, I didn't appreciate that. So that's that's a fun something that happened recently that I think was pretty peculiar and and really fun. Uh, Patrick Brown, shout out uh, Metallica versus Pantera. Who brings it the heaviest? I mean, I'm a bigger Metallica fan than I am a Pantera fan, but Pantera gets the heavy. I think you know they they in 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 weird ways like you know without Metallica there's no Pantera. That crunch that like scooped out uh, guitar tone. You know, really, Metallica set the tone with that with, like, Injustice for All. And I feel like Pantera kind of took that to the next level. But, you know, they really went out of their way to be the heaviest band of, of their genre, where I feel like Metallica got really into just songwriting. You know, not that Pantera wasn't great songwriters, but after a certain point, Metallica was like, we're not, we don't have anything to prove in that arena because they set the standard. Once you do Dyer's Eve, you've you've proved it all. Uh, Eric Morehouse asks i hopefully this uh isn't taboo can you tell us why your brother isn't involved in the reunion shows so there's a couple of these these questions in, in there and and i guess this is for like people who just haven't really been following uh the x-men because I, I talk about this i've talked about it and you know half the answer is you know it's personal stuff you know this is family stuff this is internal band stuff i think we live in an environment now where so many people are used to like using drama to like sell their thing or get views or like get people excited. And I, I don't traffic in that. Um, you know, <clears throat> the, you know, the, at the end of the day, you know, I try and tell this, God forbid Dallas quit the band in 2009 and God forbid continued on and toured for another two years on the earth's blood record without him. And we made another album, Equilibrium, and toured for about another six to eight months on that album. And, the, and we disbanded. And we had, you know, Matt Wicklin in the band. And Dallas wasn't in the band. So it's, you know, for us to say we're doing a reunion, well, it's, yeah, with the, you know, the people that were there. Uh, so that's the main thing, to be kind of technical with it. But, you know, it's interpersonal business. And it's really no one's business. It's not my role to put anyone's business out there um but this is the lineup that we feel is the most uh is the best version of the band that we put out there we got nick you know nick's not an official member or anything like that but he's you know a touring member or a, a live member however, however you want to say it and you couldn't find someone who can play the material that well brings an incredible attitude you know he's a complete professional he knows he learns the songs he rocks out um, and, and just his spirit, uh, makes the, makes everyone's day that much better. So I get it from a fan perspective. You guys want certain things. Dallas is so talented, uh, brought so much to this band and in a perfect world, it would work out that way. But unfortunately the world is not perfect and we can't have everything we want exactly as we want it. And, uh, yeah, I'm not, there's certain things I'm not going to put out there cause it's not, frankly, I love you guys, but it ain't none of your fucking business. Um, you know, especially when it comes to family and things like that. So, uh, 
Thank you for asking it. I'm sure the question is never going to go away because everyone's not going to hear this. So, you know, we got JB, John Berkman up, up in the Instagram chat. Shout out. Get ready to start working on that or finish working on the new Bad Wolves record coming up. So that'll be exciting next week. Uh, Dayton Keel. This is not a question, but a statement. We need Jeff Kendrick. Speaking of John Berkman on the, I assume it means the X-Men show and uh, Jeff Kendrick, ex-Devil Driver. And I have been texting about having him uh, on the show, and it's going to happen. We're just kind of, um, we're just working out the details as far as when, when and where. But yeah, but we, I've been talking with Jeff for like two years, two or three years, since he left the band uh, about being on there. So yeah, love Jeff. Can't wait to have him on. Ballhead brother. Um, if you could make a theme song for a pro wrestler, who would it B. Um damn, what's what's the guy? Uh is it CM Punk? Who's the dude? There's one dude that that, that was shouting out uh God forbid, so probably that guy. I think it's CM Punk, right? I, I'm sorry, I'm so out of touch with um modern wrestlers, but really any honestly, any wrestler, <laughs> how it's your boy, but if you know you if if you love metal. And uh, you love the stuff we do. I feel like I could do something. I could do a banger, you know. Like and I could, you'll get in the mindset of walking down, you know, the runway and get getting hyped up, you know. Because I I would always, even to this day, I'll just put on like the uh, what's his name, uh, Hulk Hogan or Demolition or the Rockers or Ultimate Warrior. I'll just put that on and get get hyped up, you know. Or you can be like the Undertaker's one note, boom, you know. That's pretty sick. That's pretty sick. Show show your alien, your favorite alien figure. Actually, I got one right here. Oh, there you go. Look at that. Boom. Oh, you can't see it. There you go. Yeah, it's a custom custom joint. My homie did that. Did my tattoo. He's the man. I'm gonna do a post about that because I wanna I wanna pump him up, hype him up. Um, all right. Brian Bards, I don't know if it's Brian Bards or Brian Bardis, but um, or Bardis, but I'm pretty sure it's Bards. Uh, what was your honest take on the new New Jersey GF show? How did it feel to be back home? Uh, you know, it's it's funny because we we prepared so hard, you know, for that for that show. I mean, because everyone's in uh, disparate places, you know, we had to really organize how we rehearse. We did a couple of rehearsals out here. In California with Corey and Nick and myself. And then we did four days in Jersey. And, you know, if you've ever toured, you know, with, with bands, I mean, four days in a row is like, it's a lot of rehearsal. And so I, I think we felt really prepared, but almost like too prepared where you're like, oh, like, cause the songs are so rigorous. Like you, maybe you need a day off, you know, I was, you know, the, the type thing I, I noticed the singing it's a much different kind of singing for me as opposed to like Bad Wolves, which is more traditional singing. We're bet with, God forbid, it's a lot more yelling and aggressive singing, like kind of gritty, Hetfield, Testament type type singing. And it like takes, a, you know, a three or four days for my voice to get used to that and like build up the calluses and like the, the aggression. So, you know, I just, and then, essentially the day of the show and leading up, it's like, you're meeting so many people, friends, family. 
I'm dealing with all the business stuff with our tour manager and merchandise and just stressed, right? So <laughs> I was so wrapped up in that. But honestly, right before we went on, it was like, I was fine. I was like, this is what I do. I wasn't nervous at all. And just, dude, the vibe was nuts. But I felt like I played like shit <laughs> because I was exhausted. Just, you know, if I listen to the first half of that set, I'm just playing bad notes and just weird. My, my hands kind of tightened up in a, in a weird way. And, but what, which was weird because the rehearsal I was fine. So I think I was just exhausted. Probably didn't have enough sleep, worn out. Vocals were a little weird. Um, but the energy was palpable, man. It's it's probably the best show we've ever played in New Jersey. Um, the excitement, the smiles, uh, people singing along. Just And my, my favorite thing about it was hearing everyone talk about like their experience of seeing their friends. Like it was their family reunion. And so this idea, you know, I know we had a lot of people travel in. We had a lot, of, you know, and that was coming off Christmas. So a lot of people had just traveled. And maybe they were at the Killswitch show the previous week. And so to kind of be like this hub for people to come together. And, it ha and a lot of that has to do with the lineup. You know, having Bleeding Through, uh, having Shai Halud, having Nora, um, and Living Wreckage. It's like, these are like guys we came up with. These are friends. These people we, sh you know, to, so to me it was like sharing a moment with uh, a community that's bigger than us. And we kind of get to be like the cherry on the top of that whole thing. And, uh, and it's like I said, it's, it's weird because we come from the hardcore scene and you could see the bands on there that have probably more hardcore aesthetic than we do. Like we're a metal band, but it just kind of works. You know, we get to be this like little metal topping on this hardcore scene thing. And it's, and I'm, I'm really proud to have that, that lineage and, and that we can honor that with, with that lineup. Um, and you know, it's, I got to give a shout out to uh, Brandon uh, from Bleeding Through because his dude, his energy, man, his positivity, and how hyped he would be, and how much he appreciates it, man. And I, and I just, I felt like they're such a, a monumental band, just having them there, you know, just elevated everything. And 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 even me, like, I still get nervous, like playing after a band like that with all the energy and how pe much people love their their songs. You know, you hope you can live up to that. And so that was like a great challenge but i didn't think about it that way because i'm not i don't want it to be competitive like that like i want to have a great show um but his his excitement for both days was just amazing and it was just like i love that i felt like there was just so much positivity around everything and just you know i tried to go out and like you know take some pictures with people and sign some things and say as many hellos but i was like trying not to lose my voice <laughs> from just talking uh to everybody which is like takes more out of you than the actual singing but uh, it was just, it was, it was tremendous, man. And uh, we didn't officially like film it or record it, but there's tons of videos out there. I'm sure stuff is floating around on YouTube and Instagram. You can probably look up hashtags and people sending me stuff, tons of pictures, some great photos uh, as well out there. We're going to be posting through the times. All right. How do you become a guest on your show? I'd say the best way to become on the X-Man is just wait for me to reach out or, or if we're really good friends, bring it up casually. At the end of the day, I have to look out for the audience and create content that I think the audience will like, you know, and usually it's one of two things. It's A, being an individual that 
has uh that they'd be familiar with you know that has some notoriety in this scene and that's i think a fairly obvious you kind of have an idea of who that would be uh the other would be someone who just i have a personal background with and history uh that i can kind of tap into and i feel like it, it makes sense in that relationship makes it interesting uh and the third is like really like industry people that maybe you guys don't know but i know providing that uh, insight into a world you're not exposed to, I think what makes for great material. So just, you know, there's some people reach out and maybe I don't get back to them or I have to figure out a nice way to kind of say, I don't think it, it really makes sense because, you know, I don't, it doesn't really make sense for me to do shows as like a favor. Uh, and then, you know, it, they just, it just doesn't track that well with the audience, you know? So I'd say, don't worry about it. Don't, I'll call you. <laughs> uh, Justin Moore asks, uh, what was the most memorable band you have toured with as well as who is your favorite band to tour with and why? Memorable. That's, that's an interesting way to put it. I would think, I think a better way to kind of put that is like formative and for that, I have to really look at Machine Head when God forbid did back-to-back -to -back tours with Machine Head in 2004, and it was on their their come up, on their comeback record uh, through the Ashes of the Empires, and we were on our breakout record, Gone Forever, and it was this weird, like, significant moment for us because we were trying to like climb out of this underground extreme thing and to me like machine head was just a heavy metal band in the same way i saw metallica or slayer and so it was like this graduation point and getting to see their habits and the way they performed and their professionalism and even like just examining their songs and how well they they they, they came across um and you know and you know rob is still like a personal friend all those guys uh dave um you know, Phil, Adam, you know, like they're still like people I, I, I love and respect. Um, and, and we formed a bond, you know, so that's, that's one that really kind of sticks out. Uh, favorite band to tour with, um, man, Papa Roach, man, has gotta be probably at the top, man. Cause they're just like the best human beings. And, you know, with Bad Wolves this past year, like, you know, we're looking for tours and when, and the fact that they just, they, they stepped up to the plate and brought us out not once, but twice. Um, and despite that, they're like a headliner and they kill it and they crush it. There's like not an ounce of ego there. And, uh, and they're just, and, and that was a beautiful thing. You get to tour long enough. You like say, you just develop bonds with people that, that last forever. And, uh, and I'm just so happy for them. And it's the same thing, like the way they work, man, that band works so hard and people don't, you don't really, you probably see the end result, but seeing the day-to-day -day habits, if you're not kind of taking notes on that, you're not really paying attention. Uh, Tony Asta, hey doc, do you write any lyrics for any of your bands or have influence on the subject matter? Hope all's well. So I used to write a lot more for God forbid, um, like, you know, songs like Better Days, Antihero, um, crucify your beliefs. There's a song on the last record, um, move on. I wrote all the lyrics for that. 
you know, and, and that's probably a bit more collaborative. With Bad Wolves, I've contributed pieces, you know, so like, um, what's the song? Um, the Middle, you know, I wrote like a verse for that. Um, so it's like pieces in it, and it's, I think it's different for Bad Wolves because, you know, God forbid it was, you know, there was a certain point where like Byron around lyrics and then Dallas started getting involved. And so they became this more kind of collaborative thing. And then we started getting more into like these concepts with, you know, anti-war stuff or the whole constitution kind of apocalyptic thing. Um, and it's like, whoever has something, we could bring it. And it felt like it makes sense as a conduit. And I think with Bad Wolves, it's just a little different. It's not that, you know, I think my mindset has changed because it's, you know, when it comes to really personal things, it's interesting to like portray your emotions through someone else. Cause it, you know, and I, I kind of feel almost more like these certain feelings, it doesn't make sense for someone else to sing it. It probably sh I should sing it. Um, or it should make sense to a certain thing so that it can work for that person. So, um, I feel like I don't do it quite as much as I used to, but it's something I want to get back to. But, you know, but at the same time, you got to have to get in where you fit in and you can't, uh, you know, especially with like, I think rock, emotional rock music, it, the more personal it is, like where that singer wrote that lyric, it's going to matter more to the fans and to the audience. So we'll see. I want to write more. I want to do some solo stuff as well. Uh, my man, Kevin Patrick, with you on guitar, is the wedding band your ultimate cover band lineup? You must be in it. If not, tell us your ultimate lineup. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> I mean, you know, the like the official wedding band lineup, you know, it's myself, Kirk Hammett, Rob Trujillo, um, Whitfield Crane. We got um, John Theodore and Ma Mark Asagueda. So I'd say about half of those guys I grew up watching on MTV when I was a kid. So, um Having an ultimate lineup, you know, yeah, I, I think that's it. You know, I don't, you know, I, I like jam with other people. And I probably, if I thought about it, like, oh, it'd be cool to kind of do a cover man with these people. But, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. So not going to complain there. Uh, Chris Bryant, after having used both in your career, are you more partial to digital ant modeling to or to traditional head cabs and why? Um, I think what depends on what you're trying to do, and how much resources you have. Um, you know, a lot of my touring lately, you know, I haven't had a guitar tech, so I have to keep it pretty insular, you know, and simple. And so the mo and especially with Bad Wolves, we haven't really been running cabinets on stage. A lot of our uh, backdrop has been like dummy cabs and stuff, so it hasn't really been practical to use real amps, but I still love real amps. I got one, you know, right here in my room, my EVH. Then I do all like my guitar solos with that. There's a way it sings, the way it responds to your hands that is better. Um, but when it comes to like, you know, MIDI programming and effects and things like that, it gets a bit more complex. There's more things that can go wrong. And so if I'm doing like, you know, like a wedding band gig, I use a real amp, I bring my pedal board, keep it pretty, you know, and it's still simple, but it's like, there it is. It's like, there's the meat kind of right behind you. When I toured with, uh, Mark Morton from Lamb of God, I use my real amp. If I'm doing gigs around here, uh, doing like, you know, a cover band gig or something, I use my real amps, but for touring lately, it's been the Kemper and 
The God for Big gigs have been the Kemper because I got eventually got the powered Kemper. So we're using real cabinets. So there's a lot of air pushing on stage. And it, dude, the, I got this Wes Hauk EVH uh, patch. And check that out. Shout out to Wes Hauk. Go pick up his um, his his profile pack. And it's the most convincing EVH I've heard. And it feels very much of the God forbid sound, which I was worried about because originally I was like, we got to use real amps to get that tone. But it sounds pretty damn close. So I'm not going to lie. So I back it. Uh, ch -ch -ch. Michael Bellardi. If you could choose any other career besides musician, what would you choose? Um, I mean, in a way, I'm kind of already doing it, you know, doing this kind of like multimedia stuff, podcasting. I'd love to get back to writing. I'd love to, uh, you know, start streaming and doing things like that. And, you know, whether that's writing a book or just just stuff in, in this realm. I love talking. I love bigger ideas bigger than just music and talking about those things are really great. Uh, something like outside of this that I'm not doing right now, I feel like I'd be a good therapist, um, you know, but that's a lot of schooling. So you never know. Errol, Errol Kelly asks, have you ever been mistaken for someone else in an interview? So this is a funny story. <laughs> so God forbid is on this tour. I think it was called the New Wave American Heavy Metal Tour 2004 springtime. And the tour was Killswitch Engage, Chimera, Shadows Fall, God forbid, kind of breakout UK tour. It was UK, Ireland, and uh, I think one show in the Netherlands. And oh, one show in Germany as well. And a uh, guy finds me in the hallways backstage. Like, hey, uh, can, we, can we do an interview with you? And I'm like, no problem. You know, guys, you know, sit down at the table, puts a little recorder down, presses the button. And he's like, kill switch engage, Howard Jones. <laughs> and I'm like, no. So you get that kind of fourth hand embarrassment, um, you know. But that was happening. So it was funny. Like we would play on that tour and I get off stage and like hang out, whatever, go to the merch or go watch other bands and grab a beer. And all these like kids would go up and ask me for autographs or, you know, I guess there was no cell phones. So I guess they weren't taking pictures or just saying hi. And I'm half sure 75% of them probably thought I was Howard. So, you know, I guess we all look, look the same once you shave our heads with this uh, skin skin complexion. You know, it is what it is. Um, what do you dislike most about touring? So I think there's a certain thing about touring when it comes to doing anything that's repetitive and also being in like this bubble that you kind of, it's just very difficult to be totally mentally healthy in that environment. I think it's strange to go to work to every day and have people give you adulation. I think that screws with your head. Um, and I think being in an environment, the bigger you are to, uh, the bigger you are to have more people do things for you, you know, get your food, get your clothes, do, like you become a little infantilized. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Um, and I just think, and probably more than all that, you know, the, you know, you get older and you, you have more people in life that you care about loved ones, you know, partner. I don't have children yet, but I have, you know, dog, but just that distance, it's very difficult to make up for that. So you have to kind of be okay with like that distance and knowing that you're slightly 
compromise in that regard. And you kind of, it's difficult to have a completely fulfilled relationship. Like there's a, there's just a sacrifice there that not being there cannot replace. And that gets tougher as you get older. I found that for myself. Um, I'm still a man. <laughs> what? All right. That's a weird question. Uh, Chris Barnes says, not the Chris Barnes, another Chris Barnes. I know you've talked about comics before. Are you still into them? And if so, what are you reading? I haven't like read, read comics probably since a little after high school. Um, I, I read Watchmen. The, I got the, the graphic novel before the film came out because I wanted to read it. Um, but no, I don't, I don't read them regularly, but I've kept all of them almost like I imagine this time when, you know, maybe I have a house and I, have, I can sit down and you know I'll just pick up my old comics and kind of go through them, but I probably should, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to, uh, to, to reflect on that. So I, I feel bad that I'm not, not connected. Do you play any other genre of music or have you outside of rock metal realm? I mean... I would say probably the furthest out has been, you know, doing the wedding band and doing all the funk stuff. And I've done funk in a couple other realms. And I always joke that I'm faking the funk, that it's not necessarily my purview, but I do have a, a, a feel for it and I enjoy it. So that's probably it. You know, I, I, you know, I was never traditionally trained, so I never took classical or jazz or anything like that. And, uh, but you know, when it, when it comes to, I think the type of rock, I, I'd say it's not just the playing, I'd say musically, I'm very interested in like electronic music and things in that realm that, you know, so it may not, not be a guitar thing, but in terms of like, if I wanted to sit down and compose like a, a piece of electronic music, that's something I think that is outside of genre that I would really be interested in, whether that's, you know, I'm really into like trip hop stuff, you know, Porter's Head and Bjork. And I, I really love that stuff. But to me, it's like almost feels of rock and metal because it's so dark, you know, so culturally it doesn't feel too far off. Um, and even hip hop, you know, like I'd love to kind of get into maybe developing beats or creating music in that, in that realm, you know, so you just got to try stuff. I, I love it. All right. Um, have you ever done an interview for the podcast and after you got done recording it, you hated it and deleted it? This is from Matt Finnegan. Um, I've definitely had shows where, you know, it's not your best show, but nothing where I was like, it's unlistenable. I, but I have done some like podcasts, like hanging out with homies, like we're getting tore up in like a hotel room. We just recorded it that I've, I've never even gone back to listen to, but they weren't done for the show. They were just done just for the hell of it. Uh, Nick Tice, is there any chance the metal as fuck shirts can make a comeback? Listen, I brought this up. Some band members are not into it. The, the cursing, I'm not going to name any names, but, uh, you never know, but it's not me to say that I'm going, I'm, I'm doc oil for the people. All right. I want what you guys want. All right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, that, that was our, our, our old standby, but you know, Thankfully, you know, the merch has been selling pretty well lately, which is which is cool. Hasn't always been the case for the band, so I'm happy. Uh, Matthew Smith, with the current cost of touring at the moment, what is going to be the effect on rock and metal live shows in the near future? Uh, I you know I actually have a little podcast 
uh, coming up, like a half show, kind of talking about this with uh, Siobhan Cronin from Star Set. And listen, I think it's overblown. And the reason why I know that is because everyone's on tour. You cannot tell me that every band is on tour and everyone's losing money. That That's bad math. That actually does not make sense. So uh, I think like at everything else, the people at the top are crushing it and making a lot of money. But we have seen, I mean, uh, gas prices have plummeted, you know, in the last few months. So that's a good thing. And, you know, inflation is slowly starting to starting to slow down. But the truth is, you know, I'm looking at these tours, man. These tours are killing it, man. People are going out to shows in droves. So, you know, I know people say the economy's struggling, but from the show live show standpoint, it feels like people are doing really well. I think it's really hard for up and coming bands. You know, I know how much money comes in with the stuff I do, and I see how hard it is for even mid-level or headlining acts. It's got to be, you know, if you're just scraping by, man, it would listen. Young bands were always losing money on touring or barely breaking even or and so that's always been tough. But it's just tougher and hopefully I think what people young bands are starting to understand is you don't really have to tour. There's so many actually other ways to expose yourself uh legally, music. <laughs> uh you know, and and it's sometimes it's better to wait till you have a little bit of buzz before you go out. And but I think people just love playing. So a lot of times bands will go out and they'll lose money because they just they just want to be on the road. They want to play their songs. And I get that. So and like every other realm, it's always the middle class. Those, you know, those bands in that middle just struggling to kind of get by. And, you know, but this industry, it's always been when you're in that middle class, you always got a side hustle. You always got a job over here and you're doing this and that's just how it's been. And it's it's for the people, the lifers, the people that love it, that love to do it, they're going to keep doing it. And the people at the top, they're going to be uh, cashing big checks and buying uh, mansions and yachts. So that's how it is. Uh, Kyle Austin Ewers, have you been approached by ESP for signature model? So this is actually totally my fault, more than likely, uh, is that they can't make a signature model until you make a custom that they can base it off of. And I ha have not submitted my custom specs yet. So that's some like that's actually something I'm dedicated to doing like in the next few months. So hopefully we can get that going. But even then it takes about a year for the custom to come in and then they decide if they want to do something. So at that point if I make a custom and they still don't want to do a signature, then maybe that's their fault. But that's okay too, because I don't really want to make something unless it sells. And also once you make a custom or a signature, you're really responsible for selling that thing and marketing it. And, uh, and that's something I want to make sure I, I can, if I'm going to do that, that I can really dedicate. And I want to make a product that is, uh, is badass that people would want and that, and that will, people will buy not just because this is my name, but because it's like a really great tool. Trevor Williams asks, what is the weirdest thing a fan has ever asked you to sign? Um, the weirdest thing. Hmm. I mean, I can't really think of anything, you know, because, you know, weird stuff is like, you know, boobs and things like that. <laughs> but I did have a couple guys that um, I was in Florida and I signed them. And then literally the next day, both guys got the tattoo 
over the next day. These guys, they're actually my Facebook friends. I can't remember the names, but I was like, man, that's that's pretty amazing. You know, like one day later, and they both came back. It was hilarious. So shout out to those dudes. Um, why, this is from Scott Yeetox. I can't really pr pronounce his last name. Why bands like God Forbid and Shadow Swall didn't stick around like others did in the New Wave American Heavy Metal, even though the chops were clearly there? Um, he has some more stuff here. Do you think we will see more of a resurgence in that, of that style? I mean, I think ultimately for both our bands, we just, we did decent. You know, if you look at our record sales, you know, both of us kind of hung it up around 2012. They're not terrible, especially by today's standards they are pretty good. But it's just, like I said, that mid, mid level thing. Uh, if there's a downturn, it's just enough where you can't get by just by doing the band. And so it's like every band hits that point where either you're a full-time band, a part-time band, or a no-time band. <laughs> and for us, like we tried to do it part-time, you know, for a while and eventually it just didn't work, you know? And, you know, got, uh, uh, Shadows Hall never officially broke up. They wanted a hiatus. And a lot of that had to do with because John joined Anthrax. So I think it's, at the end of the day, there's like the artistic stuff and the interpersonal stuff, but I think where God forbid it, it was the right thing and allowed mo you know, the guys to really move on with their lives and kind of, uh, you know, it, the band can kind of stunt you in, in, in certain ways, especially when like, it's your main thing, but you're not really making enough money to make it worthwhile. And that's, and that's hard. Then you end up resenting it. So I think sometimes it's better to kind of put it down. So the business needs to correlate with the passion and uh it's gotta it's gotta add up you know the money's gotta add up you know if you're gonna do it full-time because you don't have to do it full-time you look at bands like converge who all have other professions and they'll just tour in the summer or they'll just do one thing and i think that's a great way to approach it as well like in many ways i think a lot of bands should probably try and not approach it as a full-time thing until it's like the band is doing so well they have to do it full-time um meredith norcus shout out uh, you've experienced a lot of loss and change in recent times. How have you managed to stay positive, cope, and push through? Um, uh, how have, well, I think that's a, um, something I've learned through the years is, you know, kind of pushing through and in, in many ways, right? Like I always, I always think this, like, let's say you have any endeavor, Right. I don't care whether it's a music thing or a business or you want to open a restaurant or you want to be, you know, Brad Pitt or something. When it's nothing, no one else can see that it can be something. So you're the one that has to go. I think I can be blank. I think my restaurant can be this. But people around you go, yeah, I don't know about that. So you kind of have to be a little delusional in a positive sense and see something that no one else can see. And. I get a lot of motivation out of people telling me I'm going to fail or that they want me to fail or that I can't do something. And so that's like my kernel of like bullet bulletin board material to keep me going. Um, and I've just noticed in my life is that when you see things other people can't see and then you actually make good on it, then people start to believe, oh, that person is there. Maybe there's somebody. You know, they, they, they can do things. And once you do it once, 
then you you get to give you more confidence to do it again. Doesn't mean everything's gonna work out. It's not. You're gonna things are gonna fail. No one's a hundred out of a hundred when it comes to endeavors. You know, um, even if you go 50-50, that's pretty good. You know, uh, and also you know success and failure mean different things to different people. So uh, I think positivity as a motiva- motivating force is a habit. You know, but you can't be toxically positive where you refuse to see the writing on the wall like some things are just like hey stick a fork in it it's over (laughs) you know you gotta you gotta see that as well too so um but loss i mean life is loss in life everything's impermanent you're gonna lose friends you're gonna lose people you're gonna have health problems you're gonna you know a flood's gonna come in and tear up your house i mean people you know you're gonna get robbed That's, that's part of it and you you gotta Realize that these things are going to happen. And, uh, you know, even even the people you think have it all great and they're billionaires, I guarantee you there's something in their life that's making them miserable. So, you know, I just, it's just how I, how I have to be. I think if you, if you want to be, you know, be in this, just if you want to survive, you know. And, and so, yeah, it's, and, I, and it's all about gratitude every day, trying to. Thankful for the roof over my head, got food in my belly, got wonderful people around me, got good opportunities. That's more than most have. And so I I, I appreciate that. Well, thank you for the question. Unlikely guilty pleasure albums. I do not have guilty pleasure albums. I just have music I enjoy. Um, what like one people would think would be guilty, but I'm not guilty about is like I I love that Enrique Iglesias album, the one with like Bailamos on there. I was rocking that on last tour. Bailamos. Let the rhythm take you over. Bailamos. You know, Enrique is my, it's one of my heroes, all right? Handsome for no reason. All right. Good good genetics. Um, with the final, Paul Quinn asks, with the final God forbid album having a noticeably different vibe, do you think the band had the band carried on? Your writing would lean more of a crossover melting pot style? Or do you think you would have ultimately started something on the side to live live the best of both worlds? Um, I mean, listen, that album sounds a lot the way it sounds because Matt Wickland joined the band. And me and him pretty much split the writing about 50-50 where like he wrote these songs, I wrote these songs, and then about a bunch of songs me and him wrote together. So it was like equally our influence. And Byron really was kind of leaning into, you know, wanting to be more melodic, you know, going into that album, I had presumed we'd make like a heavier record, like getting back to the heaviness. And the truth is, you know, I wasn't in the best place. And so Matt kind of like led the early vibe and, and Byron was vibing on that. And I just wanted to like, you know, not force anything and let that kind of exist. You know, I didn't never wanted to let like my ego get in the way of going, Oh, it needs to be this. This is what God forbid is. If I approached it now being in a much better place and having more of like a focus, maybe it'd be a little bit different. Um, but I think I'm really proud of that record, uh, how it came together. And I'm thankful Matt, you know, really saved the band in a lot of ways, bringing his energy and his talent and it, and you know, there's stuff in there that like, yeah, it doesn't sound like, traditional god forbid but you can't be afraid of change you know you have to expand what that can be um and he did a great job and byron did a great job on that record so 
Um, it would be interesting, you know, if we did something new, what it, it would be like. Uh, what's the reason behind using comparison guitars lately? So I'm not using, this is a Katsutake Nita. I'm probably ruining that name. My, my apologies. Um, I'm not using comparison guitars. I'm using comparison guitar. Uh, and I have one uh, Dellinger seven string and it's just, I just like it. Out of my seven string, I only have three seven string guitars. Two of them are ESP E2 Horizons. And I have this comparison and the comparison, I just, per, for what Bad Wolves does, it just works better. Um, so I just need to get something from ESP that I feel matches that. So I, I you know, so it's, it's more about the utility of it. I feel like you have an instrument that gets you the best results at, at what you want out of it. And it's just a great guitar, but I still mo most, it's I only have one of them, uh, but it's been like my main, you know, if I'm doing a, seven song set i'm using it for like five songs um so it's just been kind of my workhorse lately um but i just need more esp7 strings so i'm gonna actually gonna hit up hit them up next week or two and try and figure some stuff out um and get some get some new stuff but i, I love my esp stuff man i did you know, all the god forbid stuff was my two ES, esps and it killed it they're they're amazing especially that uh that arrow actually both of them my arrow st1 i love them um Brandon Rucker asks, um, from a compositional standpoint, what's your favorite God forbid album and why is it Earth's Blood? <laughs> that's a that's a great, great le leading question. Um, I love Earth's Blood and I think it's the most underrated God forbid album. And, you know, and it was so, you know, to me, it's emblematic of where we were at uh, in that genre because so many, I think, bands of our ilk were kind of doing the same thing and we really went out of our way to like we're gonna break the mold here and we're gonna do we're gonna really take the genre somewhere else and it didn't totally connect you know from like a sales standpoint or like vibe like we went out there and we did shows and it's like i don't think people were connecting quite as much as you hoped but that is where you know the artistry and the commerce kind of conflict and you have to be willing to accept that risk and i think in hindsight it's a really awesome record you know and uh you know, I'm really proud of, proud of that record as well. From a, I just feel I, I I think it's one of the more artistic records we've done. We we played Bat the Angels on this last group of shows, and it crushed. People went nuts when we played it. So there's bangers on there. That's that's another one I'd love to play from top to bottom. Um, but I would say what's my favorite? I mean, it's probably Constitution. You know, if I had to be keep it real, has Adam Ant wants to know has metal reached its climax? Do you think that we'll ever see another rush of bands trying to be the next Metallica or the other waves that we've seen in the past or will the digital era make that impossible? No album sales, expensive touring, less in-person experiences. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> metal's bigger than it's ever been, probably since the, probably since the new metal era right now. Um, I mean, you have... Basically, extreme music is bigger than it's ever been. You know, I mean, right now, I mean, Lorna Shore is probably the biggest deathcore band ever already, you know, with Slaughter to Prevail right behind them. And, you know, Cannibal Corpse is selling 2,000 tickets. Amon Amarth played the fucking Forum in LA. 6,000 tickets with Carcass. That's insane. Behemoth taking off. Some, you know, it's, I mean... Metallica's coming around this year doing two nights in stadiums with, you know, 
killer bands. I mean, I think it's I think it's as big as it's it's been in a long time, and that's because we don't have an MTV or radio isn't as impactful as it used to be. But I think every time it gets counted out, it comes back bigger. So I you know, and I and I think it's it's penetrating the culture more. Um, and people go, oh, where are the stars? And it's like, dude, the stars are out there. You know, the Ali Sykes, the, you know, Spencer from, uh, Ice Nine Kills, you know, these, there's, you know, Tatiana from Ginger. I mean, the stars are there and that's, you know, that's what kind of leads it all stars and songs. You know, you need to have songs that penetrate. And I think it's, I think it's doing as good as it's ever been. And that's pretty amazing. We should be happy about that. I'm, I'm not a doomer like these other people. Yes. Is it hard to make money? Yes. But it's always been hard to make money especially in the underground. So, but at least now it's in people's hands. They can, you know, you don't, you might not want to be on TikTok, but if you want to do that, you can go and shake your ass on TikTok, try to make that money. You can do a Patreon. You can do a, you know, all kinds of things that you can, uh, you know, there's more avenues, even though the the record sales isn't really a thing much like it used to be, but you got to adapt. Can't sit about and complain about how it used to be. That shit's over. Um, what movie is from Nicholas Ewers? What movie, video game, and book series do you love the most, respectively, and why? Um, hmm. Oh, damn. I just lost my, my tr- track here. Damn, I lost my questions. What happened? All right. So that was a lot there. Um, what? That's. I feel like those are all different things. So movie series. I mean, I, I mean, I probably MCU, I would say is probably what I'm loving, what I love the most currently, you know, um, because I guess it's ongoing, you know, and it's, uh, I know it's become pretty trendy to like hate the MCU lately. That's like, but I still get excited for it. Um, and I, you know, I have all the movies on 4k over here and it's, I think it's still, you know, people, people just forget about things that are just good. <laughs> Everything don't need to be a 10. Something can just be a seven and it's good. Uh, you suck. What are you guys doing? Is it weird? Do people acting weird in here? Someone said I suck. All right. Sometimes I do. Um, video game. Like, I haven't played video games in years, you know, probably since 2007. And book series, I was never into uh, fiction, you know, but probably the author I read the most is probably Chuck Klosterman. I really love all his books. Um, Chris Kovacs, shout out. What was your all-time favorite, God forbid, show that you played, Big Fest and Small New Jersey show? Um, Hmm, favorite ones. I'm really sentimental for the time we headlined the first, our first like real successful headline show at the Melody Bar back in 2000. And it was with Nora as well. Blood has been shed, canceled, kill switch, and burnt by the sun. That was like a real, a real moment for the band. Um, as far as big show, man, I mean, the first time we played Download was really special. And that was captured in the Chains of Humanity video. Uh, but yeah, man. And that was at least last shows we did, man. It's probably some of the best we, we've ever done. Um, your take on chat GPT AI making musicians useless in the near future. Yeah, man, it's scary. Uh, if you guys don't know about chat GPT, I think it's all of us are (laughs) on, you know, on deck, 
you know, for in terms of obsolescence and, you know, their ability to kind of create music. And you, it's like in a weird way, like things like sampling and loop libraries, it's going to take that all to the next level. And you, know, you have a lot of people make beats who don't really know much about music. It's going to be that times 10. So I think for us to survive, you're kind of going to need people. You have to like basically market your, your products as human made. We no AI used in making this record and people have to go, oh, I'd rather have that. But guess what? It's probably going to make really sick music, uh, which then may, may further devalue what that means. So it's something to be scary about, but that's how it is. Technology moving forward, especially the older you are, the more scary it is because the world ends up looking like something less you recognize. And that's, that's part of getting older. And you got to look at it with those eyes, not like someone who doesn't know it's coming, you know? All right. Hold on. Let me have a sip of coffee here. I have to pee already, but I'm just going to forge on, you know, maybe it'll make my answers more succinct. So we're, now we're on the, the, the Doc Coyle professional page on Facebook. Stone, Sonia Stoltz. When and where will you give another concert with the wedding band? I don't know. Um, they always call me and let me know. Like there was almost like an almost a show. Hold on. I dropped something. There was almost a show in Buffalo when they did a got a, a Metallica show, but I was I was busy. I couldn't make it, and it just didn't happen. And uh, I imagine with Metallica getting this new record out. And this giant stadium tour, like that's where all their their focus is on. And because when Metallica rolls out rolls out a record, it's crazy. You know, they're doing Howard Stern and they're doing, you know, the late night circuit. They're do, you know, it's it's a different kind of promo situation. And they're like the amount of work those guys do, you guys could not imagine. So I'm sure when it's time to do one, there will be one. But and I hopefully I am free because it is an absolute privilege to be involved in that. Uh, Gunther knew what was the funniest episode you did of the X-Men? When do we get another round with Ken Susie? I just saw Ken Susie shout out. He came out to the Massachusetts show. Love my mans. Um, funniest one. That's a, that's a good question. Well, it, I wonder if it was the one I did with buzz cause it was the drunk cast. We got drunk on there. Buzz McGrath from, uh, on earth. That one was probably pretty damn funny, but I was like, literally on the verge of blacking out. So I can't really speak to it, but I, I have to go back and see what the funniest one. Um, Yeah, I've, I've done too many to even remember. Uh, Rob Freeman, what is your favorite God forbid song to play? Man, that's a good question. Hmm. Did I, I'm trying to think, did I play? Actually, Constitution of Treason has been one really fun to play. Um, Really been enjoying that one. It's so groovy and heavy and dynamic. So that's my current one right now. What is your favorite guitar, both that you own and that would love to own? Probably right now, my favorite guitar is my ESP E2 Arrow. It just plays perfect. It looks awesome. Sounds great. So reliable. What I would love to own. So I've, I'm starting to really put together um, a good collection. I really, actually, I really want a Washburn N4, which is the Nuno Benton chord guitar. And I still need like an actual Gibson 
Les Paul. So that's that's all that's on the list of what I need to get. And having a Prince guitar would be pretty cool too. You never know. Um, that was from Ian James. Sean Levine, have you ever showed Rob or Kirk any of the God Forbid material and did they like it? So there's an interesting story about that. It's not much of a story, but very short. But when I was filling in for Lamb of God back in 2009 and I met those guys for the first time, when I was leaving the tour, I actually gave every guy in the band a God Forbid Earth's Blood CD. But I have no idea if they ever listened to it. So <laughs> that's about as much as much as I I I know, but I don't really uh you know push any any of that stuff when I when I see those guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Uh, Ch Justin Troop asks, how much has shredding with Nick opened you up to new ideas and ways to create? Well, I mean, with Nick, I mean, we've really just been playing these, these older God forbid songs. So it's just been about jamming and kind of getting in the flow of it. And like, even though I'm teaching it to him, some of the songs I'm kind of like relearning and getting in the, in the habit of so it's just about kind of like locking together and developing chemistry which we have pretty good chemistry already uh which is amazing and uh as far as new ideas i mean really new ideas haven't really been approached i have a couple ideas floating around that maybe could be used for some god forbid stuff but tbd uh rob volkoff my question, Doc Coyle, will you ever go into the music business like AR managing like John does or consult up and coming bands? Um, I have done managing um and consulting, and I still kind of, you know, do it in a um I guess minimal capacity. Anytime I can help anyone or give advice, I try to when I can because I, I just want everyone to succeed. What 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 I kind of realized about doing management is that I don't think I can do management while I'm still in a band because I'm always going to prioritize what I'm doing. And I didn't think that was fair. But uh, A&R, yeah, I mean, that sounds great. Who's hiring? All right, send me some checks, y'all. <laughs> uh, 
And by the way, A&R these days is pretty much uh, go to social media or YouTube, find the thing, the unsigned band with the most <laughs> followers and plays and go sign that. There you go. A&R 101 in 2023. Devil's Den Radio. What are some of your challenges and tactics of maintaining many spinning plates? Uh, burnout. <laughs> that, it, it, you know... I think I take on too much and doing these, these God forbid shows. And I'm kind of at the forefront of all the organization with that. It gets essentially, I've been doing it while I'm on these bad wolves tours and you know, it really is burning the candle and then trying to keep the sh this show up and, you know, just do a lot of different things. And so this year I'm kind of, telling myself not to take on too much and and be a little more in my lane and so we'll see how that that works out but i'm an ambitious person and sometimes i set things a little too high and then you kind of go okay maybe i shouldn't have done that but i've just always been willing to kind of risk it all and just put it out there so i don't know I, I don't i don't know if i spin it too well but i definitely a lot of people will see me they'll see me like my eyes are puffy and they're like Doc, are you high? Are you on weed? I'm like, no, motherfucker, I'm tired. <laughs> I don't sleep that much because I, you know, I work all all day and all night, you know, and I'll probably be probably be hanging out and having some fun too. That might that might <laughs> might might contribute to that a little bit. But I'm trying to kind of keep it in. But I think I'm wired that way. I like doing a lot of things. And if I'm doing one thing, that's all I'm doing, I get bored. So I just have to keep doing that. Uh, Daniel Torres, the second, um, with adding Nick to the God forbid lineup, is there any talk about a full tour, even a record? Dare we say full touring? I can't really see that primarily because, uh, schedules and jobs and families. I mean, with Nick three, three out of the five guys have kids. So that's really hard to see. Um, but little things like we just did, you know, a couple shows here and there is more likely if we do anything, what it would be. Or even, and as far as a record, you know, I'm open to it, but one step at a time. I don't want to like over promise anything before it materializes. You know, I don't think that would be fair. So we'll see. I, you know, it'd be fun. It'd be nice, but I want. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Jane Rosenthal, my ex. How are you, Jane? Uh, do you remember rock and roll radio? Yes, Bad Wolves, one number one single act of rock radio. And one two number two song in active rock radio. Actually, if tomorrow never comes was the seventeenth most played song on active rock radio in two thousand twenty two. So I remember it and I live that. I run that shit over there. They know me around rock radio. All right, love you and miss you, Josh Fay. How much pork roll did you eat while home in Jersey? I don't think any. And I was so busy when I was in New Jersey. I pretty much just ate at Wawa like 50 times because it was the only thing I had time for. I had to like get gas, get a sandwich, be on the road. All right. I didn't really have time to really embrace the food of New Jersey, even though Wawa does, does be hidden. All right. Um, Anthony Welch, what ever became of God forbid's A-Team van? I saw it back in 2000s in Colorado Springs. Well, my band at the time opened up for you guys in Chimera. I think it means a red van. It wasn't an 18 van because the 18 van is black and red. Uh, that van just died. So we ran into the ground. Uh, Isaac Gieslin Jr. Will there be more Vegas nerve? 
I hope so. You know, uh, Mo, the drummer, plays with Shai Halud, who just uh, played with God Forbid. And, you know, we were talking about it, you know, and I, I, you know, I was telling him and, you know, all the guys, we still we still talk and we still love to do stuff, but everyone lives in a different part of the country. So, I like, what I would love to do is just earmark two weeks where we could all just meet in one place and write and record, like, an EP or something where everyone contributes. Because... Everyone's that talented. Like I already said, I'm the least talented guy in that band, uh, and I would love to do something with those guys because uh, we have a, we do have a special chemistry. So, fingers crossed. Again, this this speaks to the having too much on my plate. <laughs> De- definitely need a little bit less than that. Um, Mike Deacon, if you could have your music in any director's film, who would you want that to be? Hmm, probably. I would say David Fincher. His his films are so dark and moody and plotting, you know, that would, that would be fun. But it's like, when you can get Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, why do you need Doc Coyle? <laughs> but, you know, I'm up to the challenge. Um, Ronnie Castile, do you miss playing a band with your brother? You could start another band with your brother, would you? Again, I kind of addressed this, you know, love my brother. You know, do I miss playing with him? Absolutely. Um you know, just not in the cards right now. Uh, Jono Sanchez, what are the best scales to learn to help build a solid right base for writing music like God Forbid and Bad Wolves? Um, I don't know. I mean, God Forbid is a lot of harmonic minor. That's like our, our thing. It's not just a straight minor. Um, Bad Wolves, I mean, yeah, it's pretty, you know, a lot of, a lot of minor keys, but a lot, but Bad Wolves would use a lot of chromatic stuff and dissonant notes um you know i mean i don't know if there's exactly a formula but you know but i you know, I do try and write in some major keys as well you know that's like been something i've been working on and uh like what's this, what's a major key i there's actually the song it's not on the it's maybe going to be on the next bad wolves record that i was trying to write some heavy riffs in, in major keys just cause you get bored having everything sound exactly the same you know but you know and then God forbid we do a lot of drone notes. So like open notes that kind of make things sound uglier. Uh, that's a big part of our style. Uh, Adam Wiley, what's your biggest missed opportunity as a musician? That's a great question. Um, missed opportunity. I wouldn't say there's there's something I could point at and go, man, if I did this, blank would have happened. Um, but... I would say, I think with like, God forbid in general, actually, you know what I'll say, actually, I I think I've won better missed opportunity. I think, you know, everything that went down with bad wolves, we collectively missed an opportunity to like really be the next big, big, big band. And it doesn't mean we're not going to get there, but it just might take a lot longer, but that we were like right on that cusp of like, you know, going down that pathway. And I think that, um, you know, you can look at it that way. I really don't. I go, you know, nothing is guaranteed. So I can't go, oh, it should have been this. Like, no, no, things happen as they happened. And that's okay. But you could see it like where when you know, when you have like a band on that track record or on that on that track, everything is just easier. And when it's not like that, you just have to work way harder for everything. And it's sometimes when it's a little easier and it comes a little easier, the money comes a little easier, the shows, it's a nice feeling, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but that is a luxury and I do not expect 
to live in luxury when it comes to music. So, um, David Fogarty, how come soil work don't get as much of a mention as in flames for being an influence on the new wave American heavy metal scene? Um, I think, you know, just some of those, you know, just the way Clayman um, and Colony hit, I mean, Horacle to a, to a lesser degree, I think they were a little earlier than soil work in terms of like getting the name out there. Like, so the, the reason I discovered in flames was I was in a record source called curmudgeon music in New Jersey and at the gates had just broken up and there was a sign on the in flames record Horacle that was like for fans of at the gates. And the guy, I remember the guy at the counter was like, dude, if you like at the gates, you're going to love this band took it home. And he was a thousand percent. Right. And they came and played on Colony and, and God forbid got to open up for him. But it's, but I really think In Flames is a live act. Um, and the way their songs came across from a live perspective was a big part of the way they broke out. They just really had it. They were functioning on all cylinders and they were just ahead of a lot of those bands where I feel like with um, Soil Work, it really it didn't all come together from a musical standpoint until um, Natural Born Chaos. And I still think they were developing their live show. They were just really starting to get their touring legs on like the record after that figure number five. And they didn't really solidify it until um, what's the record after that? They did Ozfest, 2005 record, Stabbing the Drama. And then after Stabbing Drama, Peter quits. And it kind of, I think, hurt their momentum. You know, but I still think In Flames as a live band was really a step above kind of a lot of their peers up until like Angela joined Arch Enemy and Bodum became what they became. So I think I had a lot to do with it. And then, you know, and then In Flames really started expanding their music to kind of reach a broader audience and it really worked, you know. And so, so some bands are just that band for the moment. And it's not just about sitting there and parsing Oh, why isn't this like some bands just they have that little it factor that just that just connects. But Soilwork has had a tremendous career and I, I love them. Um Andrew John, who would be your dream guest on the podcast? So I said probably Jason Newstead would be probably like someone that I almost because it almost feels like unreachable. And I'm I'm sure I can make it happen, but that's that's that that's big up there. Um who else? I mean, Slash is my favorite guitar player, so that would be incredible. So that's up there. Pretty much, pr pretty much about about it. I don't know. Let me think. Is anyone? Hmm. I don't know. I've I've been pretty lucky. I've got I've gotten a lot of them. You know, Mustaine would be great. You know, I would love that. Uh, breathing new life podcast. Who is your favorite new metal vocalist, and why is it Fred Durst? <laughs> Favorite new metal vocalist? Hmm. Damn, that's a that's a good one, man. Can I can I say who my I think the most underrated new metal vocalist is? Is um what's his name from uh American Head Charge? I'm forgetting the, I'm forgetting the singer's name off the top of my head. Um, not Chad. That's not his name. Anyway, but he is amazing, man. Great screamer, awesome uh, singing voice, and also the singer from Nothing Face, man. Oh, super, super underrated. Can kind of do it all. 
I love I love vocalists like that that can scream and sing like very emotionally, very tortured. I back that shit. Um, Jeremy Losi or Loki. What? Who are some of the guests you hope to get in the future? So I don't like saying this because then I jinx it because there's I'm I'm involved in a bunch of emails and texts with with people coming up that and I and I I don't want to jinx it so I'm not gonna say but hopefully cro- fingers crossed I got some really big guests coming up sorry I think I'm gonna burp I burped all right there you go so what happens when you drink the Lacroix and you're just going for it Cameron yeah Cameron from American Head Charge. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, Mike Bennett, what was your experience of New Jersey scene like back in the day around the time of Determination came out? If you could give 2002 doc advice about the metal game, what would it be? Um, Well, it's funny. When Determination came out, it was like this turning of the tide because I feel like everything before that era just felt way more underground. You know, the, the bands that were really breaking out, it was, you know, Vision of Disorder. It was Dillinger Escape Plan. Hatebreed was kind of like leading the charge. And, you know, Shadows Fall just put out of On Blood like the previous year. And it was all these bands from the hardcore scene who were kind of metalcore were all trying to like graduate out of that and become real bands. And so we were all like, you know, like I said, Hatebreed was leading the charge, but Shadows Fall, us... Then Lamb of God a little later. Actually, no, Lamb of God was, you know, New American Gospel was the same year, 2001. So they, we, all of us were like, hey, can we do this underground thing that seemed to be popular in the Northeast? Can we sell that to the real metal fans? And it just took a, a few years. And I remember, you know, we were like a local New Jersey whatever band playing all these hardcore shows. And then we went out and did, you know, toured with Cradle of Filth and Six Feet Under and all stuff. And then we like came back home and almost we felt like we didn't belong because Determination was like a really metal record. It was like, and we, we almost felt like it didn't, we made this record almost purposely to escape the hardcore scene. And so when we came back and played those songs, we felt like maybe we didn't fit in anymore. And but also didn't totally fit in the metal scene either. And and it's funny because now, in hindsight, now the hardcore scene loves those songs. So it was just a strange transition type period where we were kind of graduating on. And then the next record, Gone Forever, that happened even more so where we're doing Ozfest and things like this. And then we kind of became a metal band. And when you become that, a lot of times those kind of you know the scene people they don't they don't fuck with you anymore because you're like you sold out or you're part of a different thing you know so but you know it was always you know in in a weird way though it it really solidified in 2004 after Ozfest and then we started doing really well in Jersey and could headline you know the big venues and stuff so it was badass but yeah strange time but but ultimately a great time um Sean Elliott, any possibility of new Godfrey music? Already talked about that. Ken Light, what's your favorite riff you ever wrote? What's your favorite solo? And in your mind, how do they stack up your favorites from your guitar heroes? Well, comparing, I think I would say, uh, comparison is the death of Thief of Joy, something like that. Uh, Favorite riff? 
Hmm, that's a tough one. I'm really fond of Divinity Riff and also Crucify Your Beliefs. That's a really, those are some really good riffs. Some some of my favorites. Um, as far as solos, I mean, Antihero is probably the one I'm known for the most. But I, you know, I really love the solos on. I love for battles. I really love Officer Down. I think is a really great solo. I really love the one for Better Off This Way, and I love the one for Comatose that I did on the last record. But you know, and how do they stack up against your guitar heroes? I feel like they don't stack up. <laughs> I, I'm always gonna look at the kings as the kings. I can't really sit here and say I'm on that level, to be honest. Um, what is the one interview you'd like to do that you aren't allowed to? What does that mean? I'm not allowed to. I don't really know. I mean, you're saying like people that are canceled or something. Um, this is from Aaron Driscoll. Hmm. Is there anyone? Is there so? Is there a canceled person I'd I'd like to talk to? Not really. You know, I can't really say that's the case there's anyone that i'm not allowed to that i want to i think for the most part if there was something that was relevant to say i'd probably have them on the show you know and probably and if there was an issue i'd probably address the issue um so no there's no one i can really that really comes to mind uh what art via real what are some of your first concerts that you went to and what was your favorite um so the first show i went to was pantera White Zombie Deftones, 1996. Amazing. <laughs> uh, I remember we were like, we had the shitty seats like on the side, you know, of the of the stage. You know, I remember just being really loud and, and fun and I was a little scared. You know, I remember, you know, the first hardcore show I went to was Candiria for the love of Train of Thought, Blood Rust, who else on that? Clubber Lang and Navi. I think it was on that show. That was very, very, very form formative show. Uh, first, like, hardcore scene, you know, DIY show. And I remember I saw Biohazard at Birchill. And that was kind of, like, a game changer, too, because it was, like, I'd been going to hardcore shows, and I went to, like, I don't know, mainstream metal. I don't know, what you know, mainstream hardcore show. It was very, like, oh, man, it's, like, like they had, like, rock star vibe. And I, I remember that was, like, a, a, a kind of kind of change in things, you know, um, man, so many shows, it's kind of, kind of, kind of hard to encapsulate, but th those three kind of, kind of stick out. Peter Dolving, the great Peter Dolving of the Haunted, what is your panty size doc? All right. I don't know. Okay. Wear underwear and I'm wearing a large, but I should probably wear XL. The butt's getting bigger. All right. So that's all from the professional Facebook. Now we just have Twitter left. Boom, we're kind of flying through. It started slow, but we're flying through now. All right. Anyway, how's, uh, how are we doing over on Instagram? I'm sorry. Like I said, I told you guys I'd probably be ignoring this, but I'm going to go through Twitter and maybe we'll come back over here. All right. All right. What do we got? So on Twitter, we have Ben Keeley. If you could choose two artists. Whoa, what happened here? If you could choose two artists from completely different genres to com collaborate on a project, who would you choose and why? Hmm. That's a good question. Actually, I got one. This would be cool. How do we how do we get Tom York, Radiohead, and Misha Mansoor? All right? That'd be cool. 
I, I, I would vibe with that. Um, <laughs> uh, Outofstep.net, shout out, love those guys. Do you think metalcore is the perfect bridge between hardcore and new metal? Um, maybe currently, but you gotta remember, like the the metalcore phrase has meant a lot of different things at different times. Where now a metal, a quote unquote metalcore band, right, probably has more in common with a new metal band in terms of like they tune low and they have the big open kind of like Slipknot riffs than they do with what you know I would consider what God forbid did or, or kill switch did, you know? So I think maybe culturally there are a bridge currently, if you were to talk about what's going on now, uh, maybe that is the bridge, you know, because you can be some, you know, hardcore kid, you know, going to see, I don't know, harm's way or something or code orange, but then you could go to a, you know, a, a, a Bad Omen show who is culturally metalcore right now, but also sonically maybe has more in, in common with new metal, you know, and new metal has been this thing that kind of has been uniquely resilient, even if the terminology wasn't resilient, the, the, the sonic markers of new metal have just consistently stayed and, and influenced everything that's been going on. So interesting point. Um, but yeah, hope, hopefully that, that answered it. Rise to Offend asks, uh, is creating a classic 80s film horror villain universe, i.e. Freddy, Jason, Pinhead, etc., similar to the MCU, a great idea for fans or stick to remakes every few years? Um, I don't know. That doesn't really, that idea doesn't really excite me. Just, uh... I think that the universe thing, just in general, like people trying to copy Marvel's thing is pretty stupid. And here's why. Marvel is just mirroring what happens in their comic books. So they have all of this background and lineage and stories to rely on to make that stuff make sense. And so if you don't have that background, what... Like, what I don't really know how I'm going to get anything out of crossing over pinhead with other that doesn't really make sense to me but that's just me brandon crab what are your memories of touring with nevermore and why do you feel they didn't achieve greater success they're an amazing band but i feel war's vocals are not palatable for some metal fans what are my memories uh <laughs> so that tour was also with opeth uh so i have a lot of memories of them as well and this german band angel dust who are really sick and my memories are one so that was right when Dead Heart and Dead World came out. And, you know, I think that's one of the best metal albums maybe ever, ever made. So I just had so much respect for them musically. And I was like, uh, I admired them, you know, as, as musicians and as a band. And, uh, and they were one of the first bands that kind of befriended, God forbid, when we signed to Century Media. So the fact they took us on that tour, was kind of a big deal considering we sounded very different, but still, uh, ended up doing, doing really well. But, um, you know, there was some rough moments on that tour where I feel like we got kind of mistreated and, uh, you know, um, some, you know, shit rolls downhill moments. But I do not, uh, in hindsight, or even probably far after, like, hold it against the guys. Like, it was just, you know, scarcity was a thing back then. And I, and I think it sometimes puts people in a position to do things that 
aren't really the best. But why do I, but I love them. And I still love those guys to this day. Still hoping to get Jeff um, on the podcast, um, you know, and uh, Van on the podcast as well. Uh, why do I feel like they didn't achieve their success? I just think there was a lot of, uh, you know, dysfunction and maybe, you know, substance abuse, things like that behind the scenes or in front of the scenes, depending on what you're talking to. Um, and I think, yeah, like, you you know, like vocal, uh, Worrell's vocals were divisive. I love them personally. Um, but it, this thing happened when they kind of went on, a, uh, took a break and then Worrell and Jeff put out solo records it made nevermore more successful so when they put out i think it was their self-titled record around 2010 i think they were having some of their most successful touring ever and then you know things kind of came to head with with world just not really taking care of himself from what i remember um but i don't want to speak too much on it because i don't know the inside stuff uh because i loved world and you know losing him was such a tragedy you know because i just think Man, it's just there's very few talents like that, and and luckily we still have their their catalog, you know, and I and I hope people are still discovering it because they're they were just such a unique band, and I, I love bands that broke the mold of um, what metal could be, and I still think they're unique in in, in regards to that. So, shout out, love those guys. Uh, Kyle Odell, Short Circuit One or Two, I don't remember Short Circuit Two, so. I might have to go back to the files and, and look at that. But Short Circuit 1, I mean, it did have a white dude playing an Indian dude. So we got it. They're a little canceled for that. Um, I got to go back and, and check the files and see how uh, how canceled the movie is. But I'm, I'm down to rewatch it. Hell yeah. I loved that when I was a kid. Um, Emperor of Metal asks, he says, I'm going to be very random. Does Los Angeles have good Mexican food? Hands down, yes, it's amazing. Had some last night. Just picked a random spot, and it was the bomb. Uh, <laughs> is Jimmy Buff? I think he means Jimmy Buffett's Italian hot dog worth trying? Is that the place on a uh, West Hollywood? Is he talking? What's the place? I don't know. Jimmy Buffett owns it. Maybe I didn't go there, but I think I know what you're talking about the the spot in West Hollywood. And I remember that. I remember the hot dog being pretty good. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how much did you hate the ending of Game of Thrones? I'd say at the time, it was probably like a five or a no, nah, it was probably like a six, six or seven. And then when I rewatched it, I didn't hate it as much. It actually like I kind of came to terms with it, and it and it kind of worked. When you watch it all in succession, I think it's different than when you're watching it one at a time. Um, and the, you know that the filmmaking aspect of it, and the spectacle, is pretty impressive but would i have preferred to see something else yes but that's okay and the new show is amazing you know uh house of dragon is incredible so highly recommend uh michael i don't know if it's, it might be michael but it looks like michael uh whenever you hear or relearn a god forbid riff do you still remember how it came about or has too much time passed uh, so that's the first question. So it depends what part it is, because a lot of that stuff was composed in a room together. You know, it's like, oh, it's come up with a riff and whatever. And then some stuff was demoed and then brought in the room. So it really depends what it is. Some like old, old stuff where we wrote like 100% of it in a room with no demos. 
who knows, you know, but I can kind of, there's certain stuff I can do. Oh, I know who wrote that part or who, how that was put together. I can probably give you a play by play depending on the song. Um, another question, if God forbid Vegas nerve and battles are nineties action movies, what, <laughs> what movies would they each be? Okay. God forbid is predator two. Okay. You have to figure out why that is. Um, uh, Vegas Nerve would be, well, that's a good one. What would Vegas Nerve be? Damn. I feel like a deep cut. I'm probably like, I feel like I'm not remembering all, all my movies. I'm just going Enemy of the State. I don't know why. That just, just came to me. This is like a Rorschach test. And Bad Wolves, hmm. Bad Wolves would be like Fast and Furious, the first one. All right. Figure that out. I don't know what that means. I think was Fast Furious. Oh, I might be. I think Fast Furious is like two thousand one. So I might actually be 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 missing with that one. So, damn. What else can I do? Hmm. All right. We're 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 gonna come back to that. All right. Uh, Imperial Omen. I would like to hear about your rehearsal schedule. You have played forever, and you tour the world. Are you sitting down to play for hours? Do you take still take lessons? Is there an education plan. I've played forever, but not on your level. I wish I practiced as you do. Um, so I really practice for whatever I'm working on, you know, and I, and, and I just, I have a pretty decent routine where I'm like, just making sure like whatever the set is or whatever, I'm ready for that work, you know? So I'm going to be, when, you know, it's time to rehearse. I'm going to know the songs. I'm going to know exactly what needs to be done. And, and that's what I work on. And, you know, so it depends, you know, like I was supposed to do a fill-in gig for a pretty big band. I'm like I say who it was. And I was practicing for six weeks, you know, and, you know, running through the set probably once a day, you know, um, you know, with, with God forbid, like I, I didn't really practice hard till like right around Christmas, you know, and even that, it was like I had to build it up, but I would run through, you know, I don't even know how many songs. It was like 14 songs and just kind of slowly build it and slowly build it, you know. But I'm a I'm a stickler for preparation. You know, if I'm doing a wedding band gig where we got, you know, 20 songs, you know, it's like I'll have, you know, if it's 10 new songs I got to learn, I'll kind of have like, okay, I need to learn two songs a day. And I'll kind of just go through that and then slowly reintegrate like there's some songs it's like if it's like i gotta play you know highway to hell that's an easy song so i don't i know it but i'll i'll review it i'll check my notes i'll go okay and i have like charts that have um i'll chart stuff out that shows the structure of the song so i can kind of sight read the chart and know, okay okay this chorus is double chorus this part it's eight bars you know things like that um Oh, it's, you know, I'll even have the chords, you know, okay, A to G to D, things like that, just in case I need a cheat sheet. Um, so, yeah, I put the time in. So I show up, you know, I don't, I get really pissed off when we're at rehearsal and someone is using rehearsal to practice for themselves. I think that's pretty unprofessional, in my opinion. Practice at home and then the rehearsal is for the band, is to get everything to work collectively. So, um, all right. Thank you for that. Good question. Chris would like to know, uh, do you ever think you would do a God forbid, reject the sickness vinyl 
really dig determination and golf river presses yes uh i definitely want to look into doing that coming up soon there's been some interest or some outside sources so definitely want to look into that and i'd love to get it pressed with the original artwork if we do that so we will see i have to kind of like look at the the rights on that because we did a licensing deal with that with um they're called Koch records now e1 so I got to see what that contract is looking like. See, we, they, they still own our licensing rights. Uh, Billy the Witch Doctor, if you could guitar battle or duet with the guitarist dead or alive, who would it be? I really don't want to guitar battle anyone. <laughs> uh, I like playing with people, not against them. And I feel like I would, I would, you know, might shrink under the, uh, the, the, the pressure. Um, but I guess it'd have to be like Steve Vai, right? Do it like the... Do it like the Crossroads movie, right? That makes sense. Um, Billy London wants to know, oh yeah, same thing, God forbid, new album, already talked about that. Another Earth's Blood question. Um, what are your thoughts looking back? It's the most ambitious album. Yeah, I love it, you know? I think uh, I think it's the most underrated God forbid album. Earth's Blood, check it out, top to bottom. It's, a, it's an album, it actually... There's a beginning, middle, and an end. Back when people used to make albums. Uh, that was from Tom... I can't pronounce his last name. From Jeremy Barber. InSync or Backstreet Boys? InSync. Come on. Only one of those bands has Justin Timberlake. Okay? And it's InSync. All right? Gone. That's my... Go! Go! Baby, go! That's my shit. Um, Justin Steven, who is catchier... Journey or Boston? That's tough. Um, I guess I gotta go Journey. Yeah, I mean, I think the bigger Journey songs just a little, just they just they got a little bit of an advantage. I'm just gonna go there. Uh, favorite weird band, whatever weird personally means to you. Favorite weird band. Um, what's a weird band? I don't know. Mr. Bungle is that a weird band? I love Mr. Bungle. They're pretty weird. I'm trying to think if there's any, any any other weird bands I can I can think of. That's the first one off the top of my head. Um, their older stuff is obviously weirder than their new thrash album they just put out, which I guess is a re-recording of an old demo, but you, you, you get my point. Um, Brianna Kelly, can I request to be a guest to appear on your podcast? If so, can you have Kirk Hammett as a guest on the X-Men podcast? Um, you can request. You, you will be denied, though. Um, there's been talk about getting Kirk on the show. I'd love to make it happen. I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed, um, and uh, hopefully it'll 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 do all right. Uh, Eric Miner, I'd like to see you do more experimental solo music, not necessarily like Frederick Thorndahl's Soul Niger Within or uh, Sand Carl Sanders Sarian Records, but something unique from your artistic soul. You'd kill it on some Spanish guitar styles. I, yeah, I think I could do some stuff like that. Um, I don't know how much instrumental guitar music has come so far. Like, I really love that Polyphia record. That's, like, one of my favorite albums this year. I, I don't know if I could be competitive in that realm. Uh, I re actually really love Kirk's solo record, which is instrumental. I think it's beautiful. It's so cinematic. Um, so if I did solo stuff, I'd probably do um, stuff with vocals. But, you know, you never know. I don't know. It's not a competition. I got to stop looking at it that way. So we'll see if something comes. Actually, Rob Arnold from uh, Chimera 
just sent me his solo instrumental record and it's amazing he crushed it so check that out i don't know if it's out yet looking to get him back on the pod uh jim bleh how has the last jedi aged well how has the last jedi aged well for you i think he phrased that wrong how has it aged for me um it's an interesting film i think there's just some very poor writing in spots just bad choices that you kind of can't get around uh (laughs) in terms of you know luke throwing the the lightsaber away i think with the what else like the the beginning kind of doesn't really make sense with the poe like you know disobeying the orders and it's some of some of it just doesn't really make sense um, and obviously, I, I hate that whole when they go to the Canto Bite to the casino thing. Not really because it's goofy and more that they do it all for nothing. It actually turns out they didn't need to do it. I hate that when it happens in movies. Um, but Last Jedi has iconic moments in it. The uh, the scene, the fight in the throne room, uh, the, the light speed suicide mission, you know, and the, the final... The final showdown with Luke, I think, is it's amazing as well. So it's 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 a jumble, it's a mixed bag, and it's probably better than the Last Jedi as well. So or whatever the I'm sorry, the Rise of Skywalker, whatever the, <laughs> whatever the last one was. Uh, but it has some issues, but it's still I'll still watch it. I'll still put I got it on 4K right here. You know, um, Mikey J, how much does a sync license generally cost for a cover song music video? I'm not sure. Probably not the right one to ask. I should know that. Um, but actually, I'm putting out a cover song, so I need to figure that out as well. Uh, top three bands you would love to tour with in the future. Hmm. For Bad Wolves, I think I would love to go on tour with Corn. Never toured with Corn. Love, love to tour with Limp Biscuit. I think I'm just doing all new metal. Just Corn, Limp Biscuit. Is there any new metal bands I, I haven't thought of? Um, what would be another? Romstein. Even though it's like you open for Rammstein, there's like no point to even playing, but at least I get to see Rammstein every day. So yeah, I'm just I'm shooting for the stars. <laughs> uh, could you rank, God forbid, discography from least favorite to most favorite, and possibly elaborate why you order them as such? Probably would go Constitution, Gone Forever, Earth's Blood. Probably put Reject. The sickness over determination, and then actually, I don't even know where I would put um, equilibrium. Maybe equilibrium right above reject. I don't know. The last few, it's like I can't. It's hard to like say that you like something the least. But I always feel like whatever you did last, you like the least for some reason. You're always, you're always like contending with the thing that's most recent. Um. <laughs> I you know I think you know Constitution is just the most confident the band was. Gone Forever is the the most concise and to the point. I think a record and kind of like well executed of a very simple idea. And um, Earth's Blood, I just think it's just the most adventurous and and like left field and like really going for it and actually make having it work. Album the band has done. Um, and the reason why I put reject over um, determination is I feel like determination, there's just moments on the record that I'm like, 
ah, man, that could be a little bit better. Like it, it, it just felt like from the writing standpoint, like a little rushed and not quite as focused as it could have been. But the great moments are are great on that record. Um, and Reject, for what it was trying to do, is like kind of a perfect album for that chaotic, moshy metalcore thing. And and Equilibrium, just it's too. I'm too close to it. It's too, you know, I, I I feel I don't I don't know where to put it. You know, it's like I feel like I listen to it and I can't be objective. So I'm gonna fail to even mention that one or put it in a, in a place. Uh, will Mark? Wants to know, will there ever be another Headbangers Ball tour? I don't know. I mean, is there a show? I don't think there's a Headbangers Ball show that exists. So I don't know if you could have a tour. Maybe someone could buy the name and do it. Hmm. Um, dream tour lineup. Dream tour lineup. I mean, would my band be on there? I feel like I just kind of deal with the new metal thing. Let's, let's move on. I'm like out of lineups right now. Opeth or Emperor? Opeth, easy for me. Uh, John Lai, what is the best burrito you ever had? Uh, if you go to a place called Salsa and Beer, there's a couple spots in the Valley in LA, and they do this, um, I forget what it's called, but it's literally like chicken steak and shrimp, and it's like enchilado style. That shit will change your life. You know what I'm saying? You be, you know, they make a margarita. Man, you know, I might go there today. God damn it, that shit's so good. Um, what riff you're most proud of? I pretty much already talked about that with, um, what did I say? Actually, I'm actually re redoing this. Probably the end of the world riff. I think that's probably the most iconic riff I've written. Re rewriting the story on that. Um, what, that was from Tommy Hand. Peka Olia, Olilia. God damn, I'm destroying people's names. I, I should be fired. What is your process in writing a riff? Um, then you just pick up the instrument and try not to think. And then you just play and something pop. What's that? And you go, hey, well, okay, well, there's something there. And you're just trying to find something interesting, trying to find something that pops, find something that has a hook or feels special. And then hopefully get there. And sometimes I'll refine a riff and work on it and detail it. Or sometimes you have like the bulk of a riff, but you don't have a tag and you kind of have to workshop that. But, you know, when it's there, it's there. But it's, I think the hard thing is trying to constantly come up with things that feel fresh and not go back to the same well and redo yourself. Or like, oh, that riff was good that I wrote 10 years ago. Let me just take that and play it in reverse. Like, that shit's lazy. Uh, what do you say about a God Forbid Bad Wolves tour? I mean, it might be kind of weird, but you never know. That was from Mike Patterson. Uh Zero zero NYC. Uh, when God forbid started getting bigger, how difficult was it to transition away from the hardcore scene and more into the metal scene? Are there any songs as a band you'd never play again? So I kind of already talked about this about kind of two thousand one time where you kind of you we always felt a little more you know musically and culturally connected with the metal scene than the hardcore scene because I think we just. You know, there were just certain things with the hardcore scene around like fighting and kind of like drama that was not about music. I think that didn't connect with us. And we felt like we were musicians. And and even eventually, like we would do tours and 
you know, it would be like metalcore bands and we wouldn't fit in. And then we go do a tour with Anthrax, Arch Enemy, and we would feel like we would fit in more with that than we would with like the metalcore scene. Um, so it was, it's a, it's a tough thing because if you don't claim that, then those fans kind of move on. And so then now when you go on tour and you're, let's say you're headlining, you don't get that extra bump of those extra hundred or 200 people that show up because of the scene. You let now have to rely on people just showing up just for you. So it's a lot of a harder path to just be a metal band, you know? Um, and so even now I think out, if we, you know, you get outside of Jersey or something like that, it's probably going to be metalheads, you know, or people kind of adjacent to that scene. And, and it's cool. Cause now you get like, I think through the years, people have aligned us, you know, with the bands we came up with, the Chimeras and the Kill Switches. And I think that those group of people, I mean, they do be sold a lot of records. Those people are out there. So I'm sure if we played, a lot of them would come back and want to kind of relive those moments. Um, are there any songs as a band you'd never play again? I mean, a lot of the stuff from Reject the Sickness, I'm not, you know, the songs like Asked Out, I think are pretty bad. Um, probably the song called Habibur has some very uh, questionable lyrics. Probably put that on the <laughs> on the shelf. Um you know, but outside of that, I mean, I'm, I'd love, I'd love to play all kinds of songs from the catalog, especially ones we've never played. Um, Finn McKenty, shout out punk rock NBA. What would you have done differently with God forbid, if you knew in 2002, what you know now, probably the thing I would tell myself was basically to, to want it less. I think I was so desperate to make it that we just had to be out all the time. We, we got to take this tour and we got to do that. And I think we would have took our foot off the pedal a little bit and like let things come to us and not be so desperate and been able, and learn how to become, develop a more responsible business. I think we'd have been better off, you know, because I think we were just like, we just want to be on the road all the time. We want to be on tour and we want to just do this. And I'll do anything to not have to work a job. I'll do anything to just, be in this space and it just, you know, it ends up hurting us in the, in, in the long run, you know, and the industry takes your desperation and it leverages against you and ends up exploiting you. Cause it goes, Hey, here's the carrot. Here's this tour. You want this tour? Well, you got to do this. You got in, and that can kind of screw, screw you over. So what I've learned in recent years was to basically like, the way you succeed is by not caring if you succeed, but still working hard. It's, I don't know. It's it's like some Zen kind of, uh, you know, it's a, it's a mental trick of like going, I want to do well, but I I don't need to do well. I don't know. It's actually hard to verbalize. I have to probably work on that a little bit, but that's that thing. Don't be desperate. Uh, little T how do you prepare for two different sets with two different bands without getting overwhelmed What's the process? Well, I'm not really getting prepared for the two sets at the same time because with Bad Wolves, I've been playing these songs more or less for years. And so, you know, if we have like a new record, you know, we're integrating, you know, maybe three or four or five songs, but that happened before the record came out, you know, I'm pretty much getting that together. And then by the time it's time to do God forbid stuff, the Bad Wolf stuff is pretty much behind me. So I'm not really doing it at the same time. So, um, Miguel Santizavin. Jesus Christ, I can't say these people's names. 
Sup, Doc, how come bands don't split writing and publishing evenly when bands get started? Wouldn't that help with power struggles within bands? Um, Listen, there's no right way to do the <laughs> the publishing and, and, and writing thing. It's really how those decisions are made. You know, who's doing it? Who's doing the writing? Some bands, it's like there's one genius who writes all the stuff and takes all the money and... If that person is doing it, I mean, you don't really have much argument outside of that. Um, I think when it's, you know, maybe it's one or two people and they're getting the lion's share of the money, it will create a rift in the band. But there's also situations where it's equal, right? Let's say there's five band members and everyone gets 20% and one or two people are doing most of the work. And then those people get mad because they're splitting it. So there's no real one way to do it that I think is the right way. Um, I think generally it helps if everyone's getting at least a little bit, especially if they're contributing in terms of to like the, at least the process of putting things together, even if they don't come up with the part, as long as they're there for it, like, you know, they're just showing up when the, once the record's done, it's like, Hey, great job writing the record. Then maybe you don't really feel great about giving their percentage, but you know, as, as long as people are involved, you know, at least with God forbid, it was such a collaborative process. It just made sense. Um, and even if I wrote something like I, I'm not going to tell Corey what to play on the drums. I got to tell, uh, Beaker what to play on bass, even though I might, there would be some guidance there. Like, Hey, that was cool. Or maybe this, this note is really clashing, but at the end of the day, I want them to put their stamp on it. And that to me is part of the writing, you know, um, strawberry or grape jelly jam. No. So it, actually it's raspberry jam. That's where it's at. Strawberry sometimes, but it's all about the raspberry. I want the, I want the seeds in there. I want the, I want that real fruitiness. All right. That was, and then we have Tim is tired. What is in your effects loop? What picks do you prefer? Is there any better way? to photographs one own butthole without using mirror. Not gonna answer the last question, because that's insulting, all right? Uh, <laughs> what's in your effects loop? Pretty much certain ambient effects, so like delay, reverb, sometimes a modulation effect will be in my effects loop, depending on how I want it to sound. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then what picks do I prefer? I've been using the Dunlop T3. Um, I don't know if you can see this out. I have one somewhere. All right, I got a bag right here. Let me put them up to the screen. So it's basically like a regular Dunlop, but it's got this like sharp end. Ooh, can you do that? Anyway, sharp end on it. So it gets a little more precision. 0.88, shout out to Dunlop. Um, and one last question. Do you feel any different on stage with God forbid this time around what was better, worse, and thanks for reuniting? Um, I definitely feel better. You know, I feel a lot better. I mean, I think towards the end, it's like, I think in many ways, like you're looking at where you were and where you're at and you have this comparative thing like, oh man, it's not as cool. People don't like us as much. Or we were playing this venue and now we're playing this venue. We were getting these tours, are in these tours. And so some, sometimes it's hard to feel at that time around 2012, 2013, it feels good about where you're at, uh, because you're kind of fighting to get to a certain level. Whereas here, like I said, we've done a few, we've done three events and they've both, and they've all been huge and they've been great and the people were psyched. And so 
that's a beautiful thing. I'm not taking that for granted. I'm not presuming, oh, we're at this level now. It's just, no, it's like enough time has passed. The work has been done uh, to set things up correctly. Great lineups, um, a great festival. And, you know, the, I think when you take that time away and everyone prepares properly to play and perform at a high level, um, and, you know, we, we invested money in crew and putting on as professional shows we, we could possibly do. And, you know, Nick, you know, being involved has, is such a huge thing because he's, uh, he's just such a badass and he fits perfectly. He's bringing everything. Um, he's bringing everything he needs to bring. So, you know, when you have all those things working out for you, it's easy to be confident, you know, and, 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 you know, when people bring that energy and it's sounding good and, and also, you know, just the power of the material, man, like taking that time away, you kind of get to see how well the material is aged. And I think it's aged very well and feels as relevant now as it's ever felt. So that's a beautiful thing. So I feel, I feel great about it. Um, and just feel like just very, very grateful that everyone took part and enjoyed that with us. And, and it was, it was, it was just a lot of fun. And it, it's weird. Like now, like it's just a memory now, you know, you have those moments and boom, it's like, Whoa, that thing, it, it came and it went. And that's, that's kind of cool. You know, it's like, you just catch the wave, you're riding the wave and you're like, man, remember that wave? That was, that was amazing. So anyway, it was, it was, it was, it was really beautiful. So anyway, that's all my questions. I'm sorry. I'm not going to take any from Instagram. We've been going for almost two hours. So thank you guys for checking me out. You know, we, you know, we got only have had a handful of people in here this whole time, but I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, you guys enjoy your new year. It's rainy out here. Don't test positive for COVID like me. Stay negative, <laughs> you know, try to stay safe. But, uh, thanks you guys for checking this out and, uh, mama's out. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>